Say something. This is me saying something. Okay, just announce what we're doing. Are we on? We're on. This is February 17th, 1978, at 11.42 a.m. We're at 768 Clayton in San Francisco. We are interviewing Jack Welpot for the Oral History Project, a background tape on Henry Holmes Smith. My name is Arthur Ullman. And we're eating crackers. Is it got a long tape? It's on it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating cheese and crackers. I'd like you to give me some background information on uh, your early years as they relate to your coming to Indiana University. How did you get there? And when was that? Well, actually, I um, came, to Indiana, came to Bloomington, Indiana when I was nine years old. You know, I mean, my family moved there. And um, so I kind of grew up in that town, I guess. But uh, I went into the service during World War II, and uh, when I came out of the service, I entered Indiana University um, Business School, and was very interested in photography, as you well know. I guess you don't want to care about that, yes, but I, uh, um, somebody told me at one point that um, maybe I'd like to take a course in photography in there, but they just hired an, a new guy in the art department to teach photography. And uh, so I thought, well, that'd be an interesting thing to do, a kind of diversion from business school, you know. And so I went over to uh, uh, see Henry. In fact, took a portfolio of my pictorial work that I was doing. I was I was a member of a local camera club and all that jazz. See, you want this stuff? Or sure. And uh, I uh, <clears throat> presented my portfolio to Henry. Uh, probably with the confident feeling that he was going to uh, welcome me as the messiah of photography or something, because I had won ribbons at the Ellisville Fall Festival. And uh, uh, he shocked me by looking at the work in a rather curs cursory fashion and telling me that, well, he'd let me in his beginning photography class, which was the first of a long line of defeats at the hands of Henry Smith. <laughs> and. Uh, that's how I met him. And you stayed at uh, Indiana University then for uh, 12 years or so? Yeah. Actually, there were a variety of reasons for that. I mean, uh, one of the most compelling, I suppose, was because uh, I was married to a woman who uh, didn't want to leave that environment. I'd have probably left sooner. But. Uh, also, uh, there was a great attraction, too, to be around Henry. I mean, I progressed as I was going through business school. I took more and more courses from him, and my grade point average went lower and lower in business school. Um, when I bumped into Henry, I was on the dean's list uh, in business school. And by the time I graduated, I was getting C's and D's and everything, see. And it was largely because my interest was just uh, evaporating for the business thing and, and increasingly directing towards the art department. Yeah. 
do you feel he encouraged other interests in other areas besides art or for instance your business school work was oh yeah I think he always tried to avoid um, redirecting somebody out of something uh, I'm sure he saw that the practical the wise thing was to go to business school probably you know so I think he he didn't he never urged me not to go to business school or to try to avoid that or if anything he probably encouraged me to stay with that that you know that's good it'll help me take care of myself in life and all that sort of thing you know. mm -hmm. and um, I think he was pretty careful about that not to um, try to redirect people too much if they were and in fact he'd even try to uh, coach his remarks and this sort of thing in ways that would be supportive of wherever you were heading. Although I'm sure that uh, he had ambivalent feelings about the world of business and all that. And I'm sure that showed in certain ways, you know, and I picked up on it. But he didn't, he never tried to, I think he tried to avoid that, really. Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about him not as being supportive, but at first you said that uh, that was the first of many defeats by Henry Smith. Did, did he teach by defeating? Um, not by defeating, really, but but Henry was um, had very high standards of, uh, about everything, you know, and uh, um, so w you would do something, you would perform in some way, and think you had reached some rather high level, and um, sometimes without saying a word, he'd leave you with a feeling that uh, you didn't get there, you know. So I think for many students, there was a lot of trauma involved um, in studying with Henry. Henry that. Uh, progressive feelings that um, they weren't reaching the heights they thought they were reaching and so on. See. Um, but this didn't come down usually to him saying that you were lousy or that you did something wrong or something like that. It just came down to uh, a, a kind of posture of sensitivity that left you feeling like, uh, well, I'm not very bright about this. I should, have, I, should have, I should know more. I should get higher. I should perform better. I should, uh, you know, that... Uh, this man's standards are way above what I, where I am, and I ought to do something about that. You know, there's something like that going on. Mm -hmm. Did uh, did your first impressions of, of Henry uh, bear out over a long period of time? Do they still maintain? Or they changed drastically? Can you remember what your first impressions were? Well, the very first impressions, I mean, were a sense of um, questioning, like, what is this guy about? I mean, I had never meet, met anybody like him, and uh, and I came into his classes with a sense that I kind of knew photography because I had been doing it a while, you know, and I had uh, been doing pictorial photographs, and I and like so many people, uh, I was kind of a wise-ass, I guess, who thought he knew what art was and all that, and, and suddenly I bump into this guy from... Uh, uh, a, a world that was totally alien and mysterious to me, you know. Uh, and he would give assignments that I thought were really weird, and I thought, what is this all about, you know? Um, like, I remember one of the first assignments, you know, uh, make a photograph dealing with volume, texture, and structure, see? And, uh, I mean, I'd been going out uh, doing sheep on a hillside and so on, and I thought, what the hell has that got to do with anything? Volume, texture, and structure, you know? And, uh, uh, deal with refraction of uh, refraction 
uh, of oil and so on, and uh, build light boxes and do modulators and a lot of Bauhaus oriented kinds of things, you know. And uh, I did these things. I mean, he was a teacher and I was a student, so I did them. But I did, uh, at first, I'd say for a semester or maybe two, I thought, this is kind of kooky, you know. Should I turn this off a minute? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyhow. Um, so, you know, I think my initial feelings were that, uh, well, I think there's something going on here, but I don't know what the hell it is, and I'm not sure this guy isn't a little nuts or something. I mean, there was some element of that, you know, I think. Oh, I, I mean, I respected him and everything, but... But I was totally mystified by this these kinds of things that he that he wanted me to do. He was not an old master at the time, uh, not greatly older than you were, actually. No, right, and that that was a weird thing. That, in fact, that was the condition that existed there. Um, I was a veteran of World War II, and so was he. And uh, about half the class were guys who were veterans, my friends, and so on. See, so the student population was older than the. T tends to be today, and we were also we also felt like since we'd been in a war and all that sort of thing that we were we knew what the hell was going on you know and uh, uh, there's a tendency to look at the younger college population as a bunch of bobby soxers who wanted to join fraternities and go to football games and all that see but the veterans uh, for the most part didn't get into that sort of thing very much and so I was in that uh, whole thing. Henry was older, but, but he had been in the Pacific, I think, yeah. Anyhow, he was in the service, and I was in the service. And um, so in some ways, we, we were uh, more peer relationship, even in the first class, or second class, than might have otherwise existed between a student and a faculty member. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk a bit about the nature of his teaching, what methods he used, um, what was actually done in the classroom? Well, this, um, this is one of the things that blew my mind initially was um, um, even though I knew a little photography, uh, my recollection was that Henry didn't lecture much on uh, how to do it and this sort of thing. I seem to recall, I've always had the fantasy that, or the belief, and maybe he'll correct this, but or maybe he doesn't perceive it this way, but that he handed me the first or second day, me and one other person, a four by five view camera, which I hadn't used, but I, I understood it in a basic way, you know. And a couple or three film holders and an old beat up tripod. And he put two of us together and he said, here, go out and uh, see what you can do with this, you know. And I thought at the time, that's kind of weird. I mean, I know a little bit about the camera, but this uh, person, whoever I went with, didn't know anything. I thought, gee, you think you'd give a lecture on uh, how to use the camera or something, see? And, uh, but I, I took it out and we fumbled through it, and with what I, a little bit I knew, I was able to help the other person use it, you know. And so we used it. And uh, so there was a certain amount of uh, mystery revolving around the events. Uh, he wasn't totally explanatory. And uh, I discovered later that this was probably a characteristic of the Bauhaus in many ways, because Bauhaus teachers tended to, rather than giving you an object like uh, a Bauhaus teacher might present a student with a brick or something and say, uh, see what you can do with this, I'll come back in two weeks. You know? So you're sitting there with a brick and you wonder, what the hell can I, what can I do with a brick? What's that for? You know, And so... Um, uh, 
it's a very interesting way to teach, but it, uh, but it, for me, it was a, I wondered, what is this all about? You know, like, hands you a view camera and says, here, go out and see what you can do with this kind of thing. See, of course, there were assignments, but the, sign, the assignments were so abstract, or at least they appeared to me at that time to be so abstract. I wondered, what is this jazz of volume, texture, and structure, and build a light box, make a modulator, and do this and do that, you know. I didn't know what those things had to do with photography. Um, and that, of course, was the beginning classes, you know, or the first uh, rundown of things. Um, after those initial experiences, then, of course, things got very loose and very interpersonal. Uh, <clears throat> and um, with him um, more or less guiding you by indirection and supporting the kind of thing you were pursuing in your own right, and, uh, and it became less structured, I'd, I'd say, after maybe two semesters, something like that. Maybe three, I don't know, but and some somewhere along in there, it became increasingly tutorial, and um, he made you feel that uh, you were responsible for your own destiny. Uh, he wasn't going to be a warden and stand over you and call roll and do this and that and the other thing. Uh, he was there, and if you didn't show up for three weeks, that was your business, uh, and if you did the work, that was your business. But but he was always um, kind of taking an approach which was compared to other classes that one took in the university was really far out, you know, like I, particularly at that time, most other classes I went to, they took role and they uh, gave you a midterm test and they did this and they did that, you know, and here was this guy saying, uh, you're responsible, you know, I'm not responsible, take responsible for, uh, responsibility for yourself, see. And um, there was a lot of, uh, um, sometimes rather painful uh, discussions about work in which maybe an image would be set up or projected uh, either by some one of the students or by uh, maybe some well-known photographer or something like that and uh, you'd spend the longest time looking at it and uh, trying to think up things to say and there'd be utter silence for a long time while somebody was trying to figure out what to say about a given work or something you know and uh, then there would come these uh, rather brilliant ideas from him. And of course this would motivate the other people to uh, try too, you know, uh, to try to be intellectual about what they're looking at. Some students would rebel about this and actually get mad. And others would, uh, they'd leave and they'd say uh, things like, uh, I don't know what he said, but it seemed important. You know, <laughs> something like that, see. And, um, in fact, after I was around him a few years, uh, I started understanding the language and the jargon, and I and I and I thought I understood what he was saying, and uh, this. Uh, so I started feeling a certain status, I think, in relationship to that. Like uh, I was one of the anointed ones. I understood what Henry was talking about. See, and um, this. Um, and in fact, I, I actually hung around him on a, on a fairly regular basis for 10 years, uh, thinking, you know, this is worthwhile. There's a lot to learn, and I can just go on and learn. And uh, In fact, uh, in all probability, I'd have split from my wife or something long before if Henry hadn't been in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, because I kept thinking, well, it's worth it to hang out here. I'm learning things from him, you know. Well, given the, uh, the, the very open assignments in the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, was the response of the students terribly diverse to that? Yeah, well students, you know, reacted in different ways. I, I was coming, probably I was 
different than the others. Like I wasn't an art major. I was coming from the business area, see. And so perhaps I was more mystified by what he was doing than, say, some of the art majors were who were in there, you know. Um, maybe they didn't see the, that Bauhaus approach as so weird because they probably had it a little bit in other classes, you know. Um, some students um, just didn't listen and just did what they had to do and got out. I'm, I'm sure, you know, they were just there for fun and games or something. Some other students uh, got mad at him. Like there was a good friend of mine named Joe Blakesley who had, was, uh, had been an infantryman in World War II in Europe. Big, tough guy. I mean, a really rough, tough character. And he liked photography. Very outspoken. The kind of guy that would yell at waiters in restaurants and uh, when they brought the wine, would send it back, and he'd send steaks back. Like, and you know, like I was in a restaurant once with him, and they brought him what I thought was a beautiful steak. And he looked at it, and he said to the waiter, "Take the goddamn thing back! I don't like that. Bring it, so and so." You know, <laughs> he was this kind of character. See, and uh, uh, after the, I think it was maybe the first semester, he took photography with Henry, and I took photography. I, I think I talked him into doing it. He was a business major too. And I uh, said, so, hey, you ought to go over. We're both interested in photography. Take this class. See? And so he took a class from Henry. And uh, at the end of the semester, I'm standing outside of Henry's office. And I hear Joe in there yelling at Henry Smith. You goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll never take your goddamn fucking class again. And so on. See? I mean, just like a, a, an army sergeant, which is what he was, you know, what he had been. And uh, Henry Smith was, Henry was yelling at him, too, you know, like saying, I don't know what the hell Henry was saying, but things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, well, you think you know it all, Joe, but uh, you don't know everything or something, <laughs> this sort of thing going on. And uh, Joe stormed out of there, and he, and he brushed by me, and he said, uh, I'll never take another class from that goddamn son of a bitch, and he walked away, see. And uh, next semester, he was enrolled in the class, see. And uh, this sort of thing went on, off and on, with Joe and him forever. But uh, Joe would storm away and sit at home and think, uh, well, he's a goddamn son of a bitch, but he knows something I don't know. You know? <laughs> he'd go back and he'd take the class again, see. And uh, this sort of thing, uh, this kind of interaction between those characters went on for years, I think. Uh, so, there, so there were these kind of things going on. And of course, you have to realize there were, Joe was a veteran and... Uh, and every uh, the there was kind of a macho tendency in all of us, I guess, because we had just won a war and we weren't going to take no shit from nobody, you know. <laughs> and uh, oh, I never, I never felt that way towards him. I was always, I think, kind of laid back and listening and thinking there's something going on here. I don't know what it is, but I'll figure it out one of these days, you know. And uh, it was that kind of thing for me, I think. Well, if he was able to knock the legs out from under. A lot of his students was he also able to help them uh, regain their posture was he able to help them rebuild once they threw out what they thought they knew yeah I, I think so because he never uh, knocking the props out with Henry as I perceive never came down to actually destroying your ego or something like that like he'd never say of a piece of work that stunk or something like that and some teachers could do that you know say that stinks you think you're an artist I mean uh, Henry ne would never do that sort of thing. In fact, he always took, I think, the opposite view that uh, you can do what you want to do. And, uh, I mean, the sky's the limit for you and so on. But he always um, could, 
could get through to you. Like if you had a um, um, shoddy value system, or if your value system was weak or uh, geared around the wrong things, you know, uh, Henry could in very subtle ways make you examine your value system and make you start asking, uh, why do I believe in that? That's crap, you know. Uh, he would do things like, he'd ask the student to bring in an issue of Life magazine, which was popular then, see. And the student would bring in an issue of Life magazine, and Henry would say, now, all right, go through that issue of Life magazine and point out to me everything you'd like to have in there. You know, of course, there were pictures of Cadillacs and beautiful women and and all and ads, and uh, and there were pictures of uh, all kinds of things all around the world, you know. And the guy said, "Gee, I'd like that. There's a yacht on the Mediterranean, and I'd like that, and I'd like that, and I'd like that." See, and uh, in the ensuing conversation, he, I think, he'd make them examine why, uh, uh, you know, is that really, uh, where is that that interest or that desire coming from, and and. Uh, what is its function in your life? What is its relevance? Is it really important? You know, and on and on. See, and so the student would uh, examine his values. See, and, uh, and so it was. It was rarely like taking a, a photograph and saying that's bad or something like that. But it, but it was making you examine where you were coming from that was producing that photograph. Where where you were rich enough human being, and could you become a richer human being, which would make the image better, I suppose, you know. And so he had that capability. And, and he would he'd make you wonder about material things. Like everybody was into grades, you know, like they always are. I want to get good grades. And uh, on occasion, a student say, gee, I want to get an A or something. You say, you want an A? Here, take an A. <laughs> and uh, they say, but, but, but I, didn't, I didn't earn it or something like that. What's to earn? What's an A? I mean, you know, there's this sort of something like that going on. And um, uh, like one time he said to me, uh, so what grade would you like? And I said, uh, well, you know, Henry, uh, an A, that'd be fine. And uh, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, uh, why don't we just put the grades in a hat and you can draw them out and, uh, and you get your grade that way, see? I said, Jesus, Henry, am I drawing an F out, see? And he says, well, I'll tell you what, we'll put five grades in a hat and you can... Uh, Keep drawing till you get one you like. And I said, oh, that's okay. Okay, let's do that. See, so he does this thing, and so I reach in the hat, and I pull out an incomplete. I reach in again, and I pull out a withdrawal. I reach in again, I get a withdrawal failure. And I reach in again, and I get an F. <laughs> and I reach in again, and I get a D. See? And he says, you can have anyone you want. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a real object lesson, in a way, see? Um, so, um, in, in little subtle ways, in funny games like that, he was always, um, making the student try to achieve higher levels of human consciousness, I think, and awareness about his values, uh, those things he loved and didn't love, and, uh, why, and, and, uh, should that change or not, and so on. Not that, it, it wasn't a Puritan kind of thing, I mean, he wasn't saying don't go out and get laid or something like that. But I mean, it was, um, it was more um, what your value system was, really. You know? And then uh, you, you soon began to realize, I think, through this process, that, well, if I work on what I am as a human being, then the work will get better, and Henry will like it better, <laughs> too. See? Something like that.
can we can we bring in some information about some of your fellow students? For instance, Yulesman, uh, Jerry Stefani, or Stephanie, Stephanie, and uh, Dave Curl, Bob yeah. Snyder. Uh, those folks came a little later. Like, um, you see, I, w I went through undergraduate school and was studying with Henry, and uh, um, and in fact graduated and was um, uh, went to work in audiovisual education as a photographer. And uh, so by the time Jerry and people like that got there, I, I had been around Henry several years, really. See, and uh, I was uh, chief photographer at the audiovisual photo lab on the campus, see, and that audiovisual photo lab hired about um, 10 or 12 photographers to do various kinds of things. It was a very big lab and did all kinds of work. And uh, I went there just as a photographer. As a matter of fact, just out of business school, I got a fellowship and went and went to work for Peanuts just as a photographer, see. And I hung around there so long that ultimately I became chief photographer in that place. And uh, Jerry arrived there um, from MIT, or... Uh, RIT, uh, with the goal of getting a master's degree in audiovisual communication. Uh, and he'd had a little brush with photography as a fine art because he had, he'd taken a class or two with Ralph Hattersley and he'd taken a couple or three with Minor White. But for the most part, his experience at that school was, uh, he actually went to MIT, or RIT with the goal of um, graduating as a photo major and opening up a little studio uh, somewhere and doing portraits, you know, for a living. I mean, he never perceived being an artist photographer, you know. But bumping into uh, Minor White kind of switched his head around a little bit, and also Hattersley. These two things had a big impact on him. But I think he was still operating out of a practical notion that, well, you have to, I mean, you don't become an artist photographer. I did the same thing, see. And uh, so he came to Indiana University in their audiovisual program, thinking, well, he'd get an, uh, a master's degree in audiovisual communication, and then he'd go to some school and teach audiovisual or something, see. And um, uh, when he arrived, uh, Jerry was, in, in effect, working for me, in a sense. I was kind of his boss, if you can call it that. And, uh, uh, and I liked his photography, and we became friends and so on. And so uh, through that relationship, uh, I think, uh, maybe you knew about Henry before from some other source, but I, but I think that I steered him over to Henry and said, well, you know, this, this guy knows what's happening. And so Jerry started taking courses too. But Jerry uh, was working on his MA in audiovisual communications. And um, right in the middle of all that, uh, one summer, somebody came walking into my office in that place and said, uh, we're looking for somebody who would like to come to uh, New Paltz, New York and teach a summer session in uh, photography in an art department. Well, I'd been doing a little teaching in audiovisual communications of photography to audiovisual majors, you know. Not not a full-time teaching role, but a, a, it actually was team teaching. I'd go into a class for a couple of weeks and teach them photo methods or something, see. And uh, I thought, gee, that's interesting. Maybe I'd like to do that. So I said, I'll do it. You know, so I got to leave, and I went to New Paltz and taught in an art department, and that totally blew that experience blew my mind. And I and when I came back, I decided, see, I'm gonna uh, uh, not. I had already achieved an MA in audiovisual, and I said I'm gonna get an MFA from Henry. Nobody had done it in photography, and uh, so I asked Henry, how about that? Do you think I could get an MFA? And he said he didn't know because no one had done it. Uh, and we would work on the administration of the school and see, you know. So I had to 
talked to the chairman and some other folks, you know, and uh, lo and behold, they said, okay, yeah, you can get an MFA in photography. Actually, I split it. It was an MFA in photography and painting. As I remember, I think uh, the, the painting choice was, uh, I was interested on one level, but part of it was because, it probably because it looked better than asking for an MFA in photography, see. And uh, they granted me the right to do that. And as soon as I started that program, Jerry started thinking, uh, gee, that, that looks like a better deal than being in audiovisual education, you know. So a year after I started my MFA, he started his MFA in the art department. What's the matter? Let's tape. see how that tape is. I don't know if it's still on. Yeah, it's still running. I think it will pop when we're... Okay. Um, let's see if it doesn't. So, um, uh, and Dave Curl was in the same bag, except uh, Dave didn't make the switch. He stayed with the audiovisual thing. And in fact, uh, I don't know what he's doing now, but I, I think uh, he's still in audiovisual communications. And uh, I've seen him uh, recent years. I, I think he's always, I'm not sure, but I have a feeling he wished he had gone the other way or, or he's got feelings like maybe now he'll switch or something like that. I noticed he just written a textbook for, uh, on uh, photography. Which I haven't seen. I don't know what that's all about. Jeremiah Stephanie, um, I don't know if Jerry was in that audiovisual lab or not. If he was, it wasn't very long. But uh, he came from some other source, some other direction. Like I think he came directly to Indiana to study with Henry. And uh, so I, it, I guess it worked down to where I was the first of the MFA people, and then Jerry followed me, and then Stephanie came in, and then, and Dave Curl never did come in. Um, Coke. Van Der and Cook came up from Kentucky uh, and uh, didn't uh, get an MFA, but he got an, a, a master's degree in art history and took a little bit of uh, coursework with Henry, I don't, maybe one or two classes, and was around a lot and when we'd have discussions and things. And um, what there were actually only three or four of us. Bob Snyder. Oh, Bob Snyder. I don't think Snyder didn't get an MFA from Henry, I'm pretty sure. Snyder was audiovisual. And... Uh, but he was kind of interested, and he hung, from a scholarly point of view, I think, more than a photographer's point of view. And uh, so he hung around, and he was there. Uh, a lot of audiovisual folks uh, trying to get some kind of sustenance, uh, which they couldn't get from audiovisual at all, would gravitate towards Henry and take a course or two or three, uh, or uh, go to his house. when uh, He'd organize these little uh, one-night-a-week uh, uh, things where people could drop by and show work and stuff like that, see. And uh, so a lot of audiovisual folks came around. Was he well known in the Midwest that, uh, that if these were your interests, that that's pretty well where you would have to go to to satisfy your curiosity to, to Henry Smith? Were there other people that were considered central figures at that time in the Midwest to go to? Not many. I mean, there weren't all that many people who were interested, you know, but... Um, if you were interested in the Middle West, there was kind of a feeling, well, you either went up to Chicago and got together with Calhan and Siskin. Going to uh, Henry, uh, the only other kind of activities going on in the Middle West at that time was uh, Van Der Koch had a little kind of collection of folks around him in, in Kentucky, you know, small, not too many people, but I don't know, I guess three or four or five, including uh, 
meat yard. And uh, it seems to me that wherever um, Clarence White Jr. had been teaching, there was a little happening at that school, but no, it, it, there was no uh, respect for it, I don't think. Nobody was interested, really. It had died somewhere. There. Maybe there were photo classes, you know. Didn't John Schultz have a program in Iowa at that time, too? Was um, a little bit later? I don't think it was that early. If he did have it, was, it was, um, I think it came later. Or it probably started up right around mm -hmm. 56 or 7 or something. And um, it wasn't having any impact either on... On, the, on at least the thinking around uh, Indiana, Ohio, Chicago, or uh, Kentucky, mm -hmm. Illinois. Uh, getting back to his methods, you mentioned that he was quite a bit different than any of your other instructors in other classes. Did Indiana University seem agreeable with his methods? What was his relationship to the faculty and to the university community in general? Well, I think that um, Henry always felt ghettoized um, by the chairman of the art department. Uh, uh, there was a lack of basic respect uh, for him, I think, uh, at least coming from the direction of the chairman. Um, other faculty at that school, I'm sure there were varying responses to him because there were some really far out people in that faculty. For example, George Rickey was there. You ever hear him? George Rickey is a very well known sculptor now. He's like uh, the inheritor of uh, Calder's mantle in some ways. He makes uh, Calder made mobiles. He makes stubbiles, and you know he's uh, had big exhibits in places like the Modern and this sort of thing. And uh, 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 David Smith was around off and on and. Uh, 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 Leon Golub was a rather well-known New Image of Man painter, and um, I don't know s several lesser folks, but there were some heavyweights in that department, you know. And uh, I know some of those folks had a lot of respect for Henry and admired him. The administration at school, though, didn't uh, thought I'm sure that well, photography was uh, wasn't an art. Probably it was just fun and games, and uh, I don't think there was a lot of support thrown behind the idea of as an art. And um, I know that Henry stayed in rank so long of, uh, I don't know what rank it was, might have even been assistant professor, uh, but he was in rank, in some low rank, for like 20 years. And uh, finally some dean noticed this, that this guy had been forever at that school and was not a full professor. You know. And what I understand immediately uh, said, this, this is not right, and promoted Henry to full professor, see. And so uh, I think this is indicative of uh, uh, the fact that he, he didn't have administrative support for what he was doing, you know, probably ever. Do you, what, what effect do you think that that, uh, that had on his, on his work or his communicating through the university system? You mean what effect it have on his dealings with the university? Or mm -hmm. well, it, well, it, I'm sure he had a tremendous contempt for uh, these people. Uh, you know, I, th I think a feeling that probably had a deep running feeling that they were Philistines and they didn't understand and they weren't helpful and they weren't supporting something important. You know, and uh, as somebody said it, Henry, he had an in he had an infinite capacity for righteous indignation. You know. And so uh, he was righteously indignant a lot of the time, and, and vocally in front of his more um, 
the students that you know he felt comfortable with. Um, so here he was an outsider uh, within his university community. Mm -hmm. uh, he was also to some extent an outsider within the photographic art community. Yeah, the same thing was happening there for him, that's right. I mean, uh, um, I think a lot of folks in the art community, in the photo community, uh, knew something was happening there, and certain very important figures admired him, I think, uh, like Aaron Siskin admired what he was trying to do, and I think Minor came to understand and admire what he was doing and so on. But in general, um, he lacked a kind of an identity uh, in that community, I think it's partly because of his, the kind of photography he did, which nobody understood, and and uh, and uh, there was a tendency to say, well, that's not photography, and uh, uh, so there was, I think, some mystery. He, he presented a mystery to the people in the photo world. What did he stand for, and where was he coming from? Because of partly because of his own art. I think. Well, is is the status as an outsider for Henry a tool, or is it a burden? Um, I don't know really. I, sometimes I perceived Henry as um, um, being by nature an outsider. I mean that uh, even if things were going good, he would uh, that perhaps he would have to, to somehow or other make himself an alien. He probably wouldn't like that. Am I saying that? But it's uh, but that uh, um, I think by his very nature. He felt um, uncomfortable with authority, uh, inclined to uh, be sensitive about people in power, power figures, and so on. See. Um, unable to deal with that easily, and so on. See. So um, he he was an outsider, and uh, I don't think he wanted to be. Especially, um, it did, of course, have a tremendous impact on his way of teaching and what he and what he'd do with students. Um, I don't think he perceived it as a tool or something he would use, but it, it inevitably had an effect, you know, on the people around him. So, uh, whether it was good for him or bad for him is not really the issue so much as the fact that it, it seemed to have been the case, yeah. and he had to deal with that. Uh, and as a result, he has acted uh, both as a, a stimulant to people's thinking in the medium, mm -hmm. and uh, also as an irritant. Yeah, right. I mean, he was, um, uh, for many people, his, his thoughts, his approach, his ways were irritating. Uh, for students, they were irritating, see. But, but I always perceived them as, uh, they were irritating because they were always challenging preconceptions and, uh, uh, you know, uh, killing... Uh, dead horses and I mean they were uh, I'm trying to find a term here um, something he was something of an iconoclast you know and uh, so you could build up these big uh, self-righteous views of things and he would uh, his posture would undermine those see? so this was upsetting to some people you know, in the uh, both in the art community and even students you know your your ex student Harvey Himmelfarb has asked the question uh, that for a fellow with that kind of ability and intelligence, why did he bother to pick his his fight with the relatively small arena of art photography? Why not go into some 
major area. If he needed to be an outsider, if he liked to be an irritant and a stimulant, why not apply his abilities to some much larger uh, world arena? Politics, government, philosophy, or art criticism, or you know, many areas that it could have been. Um, well, I think I think Henry liked uh, the fact that photography was an underdog. I mean, here was something. Uh, in many ways, you could look at it as here's some here was an area so neglected and so on that a lot could be accomplished, you know, and. Uh, and I think he perceived himself really as a photographer, uh, or at least a photographic artist, you know, uh, with other aspirations. He also perceived himself as a writer, too. Um, but it was an arena that offered a lot of opportunities on, on a certain level, you know, uh, to do things. And uh, that was attractive to him. Part of it could be just force of circumstance, you know, he, he needed a job, and he got a job teaching uh, photography at at Indiana University when uh, he had done other things. He'd been, I think, an editor of Minicam magazine and done some writing and uh, uh, had taught photography at the Bauhaus and uh, I think he even may have done some news photography, I'm not sure, but he had done various other things. Um, possibly, it may be just as simple as him getting a job at Indiana University <laughs> teaching photography. But I, I really think, though, that Henry was not a crusader in the sense of saying, well, what worlds can I conquer? Like, can I go into politics and conquer this or conquer that? Um, he, he just had to pursue out his intellectual feelings. He didn't like being an outsider. He didn't like uh, being um, in that role. It, it was just inevitable for him, and especially... And in fact, I think maybe photography at that particular time attracted outsiders uh, or attracted people who... Uh, in one sense or another, uh, might be perceived as losers and other things. Not that he was a loser, but I think even I was like I was a dropout from the business school thing, and uh, I felt weird about that. But I was drawn to this strange world because I didn't. I had trouble identifying with the world I should have been part of, you know. And I think maybe Henry. There is an element of that with Henry too. A retreat into art as a sanctuary against uh, a world that wasn't uh, properly molded for you to fit into it somewhere. You know, he couldn't get the shoe on, so he'd go into art. In his statement that he wrote for your catalog for your show at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, uh, he speaks of the artist as a risk taker and a gambler. Mm -hmm. uh, and you say he wasn't a, a loser. And but he says he's a gambler, and uh, do you feel like, like he's clearly a winner? Is there, is there a clear-cut uh, one and lost to be seen in his career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, it's very clear that he is a winner in terms of photo criticism, for example. You know? And I think it's very clear he's a winner in terms of teaching. I mean, the evidence is there of people uh, that he had a big impact on who went on to do something in the medium and so on. So, um, and, it, and for me, it's clear as in his own creative work. But that's still under dispute. I mean, people will still argue that he's not a photographer, that what he did is not photography, and that if it is photography, it isn't any good. And, I mean, that, that debate's still going on. I don't agree with that view. I think he is uh, one of the really few solid links between the Bauhaus and modern photography. 
In fact, I, I perceive him now as the father of modern photography. All the mixed media stuff and all the things that young, that young photographers do now were fired up in Henry's labs 15, 20, 25 years ago, you know. And uh, so I, I, I mean, I perceive him that way as really, if anybody's the father of modern photography, it's Henry Smith, in my view, you know. Well, in the a written piece that you did to Henry in 1973, and, and again in his piece to you in the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art Catalog of 1976, uh, you both communicate in rather Herculean terms uh, of the forces working on the artist and teacher and society. Uh, there's a sense of great mission and uh, nobility in the struggle for truth and the right way and such. Did we um, use that word, nobility? <laughs> <laughs> Does this characterize your communication with him? Or uh, is this language expected in such pieces and, and not terribly realistic in terms of how you know one another? Well, I'm sure we don't know each other the way, way he writes or the way I might write. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's much more just uh, friendship and... Uh, talking about dumb things, about you know, personal problems or goals or aspirations or desire for this or desire for that, and uh, a lot of kidding around, uh, but still with Henry uh, sometimes uh, taking uh, very intellectual stands about some issue or something or some group of work or something like that. But, I mean, he writes, um, his writing has very, has, uh, some connection with the way he talks, but but um, his writing is, is he really works hard on uh, how those things are going to appear, what they're going to read like, what they sound like. Uh, like he's they are a work of art, like a collage. Really, his writing is like a, a verbal collage of some sort, you know. And so it's very different than being with a man on a personal one-to-one -one level or in a friendly, laid-back situation. Is that what you mean? Or? Does he still remain a teacher for you? Uh, or does he does he still try to guide you? Are you equals? Does he seek you out for uh, inspiration as well? No, we're we're equals, I think. And in fact, uh, well, Henry is still a teacher for me. But uh, I mean, we're at a place now where uh, I give him advice, and he listens to me, and I tell him things, uh, my perceptions about certain things. You know, so it's I mean, it's a give and take. Now, um, sometimes dumb little things like. Uh, when marijuana was emerging uh, uh, as uh, the drug of choice, you know, for so many younger people and so on, uh, that was a mystery to Henry. He was raised in a very puritanical world, and he had two sons, and he was wondering if they were into it, you know. So he was worried about them and so on. So one time when he visited me, there was conversation about this drug. Well, what, what about this drug, etc.? And uh, he wanted to know what it smelled like, because I think he was wondering if his sons had it in their transfer drawers or something, you know. So I got some out and said, smell it, Henry. But he was very circumspect about it. I said, well, maybe you should smoke some, see what it's like. He wouldn't do that, see. But, uh, so I mean, I think uh, my role for him now has been sometimes to put him in touch with some, ch the, some of the changes that are going on uh, so that he can understand them better or something, you know. I, I had a feeling there's something like that going on between us, you know. Um, and and, I, and I'm sure I look to him as a kind of father figure. My own uh, situation, my own life, uh, I talk about those the kind of things going on there. And uh, 
he doesn't give me fatherly advice. He, he never says, well now, son, do so-and-so or something. I mean, it's never anything like that. It's just um, just kind of listening and uh, talking about his views and I talk about my views and this sort of thing. You know. Do you think that he would accept the role, uh, at least the title, as a father of modern photography? Well, he'd probably rather not like to be called father. Maybe how about, uh, there must be a better word. Because the father is not quite what it is, really, but uh, uh, the dean or the... No, he, he never liked deans much. So, so there's, there's got to be... Um, I don't know how he feels about that. Uh, I mean, I've said that in other contexts, and he never put me down for it. And um, I, I wrote that elaborate thing for his, his uh, anniversary catalog, you know, and uh, I never got a any kind of critical evaluation. I'm not even sure I ever got a statement of, uh, that's swell, Jack. He, he might have might have gotten a little note, uh, thanks, or something like that. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I never knew. Uh, in fact, I wrote him, when I wrote that piece, I said, Henry, if anything in this is weird or off the wall or screwy, let me know. And I never heard a word on it, see? So uh, one way or the other, really. And. Um, which always left me wondering, well, does Henry uh, support those things I said, or does he think they're just the stupid ramblings of one of his more illiterate students, or what does he think, you know? I don't know. This was always one of the mysteries. Uh, in fact, I think it was one of his more powerful teaching devices um, to leave you wondering what he thought. Um, I'd seen him take a student's work and the student lay it down in front of him, and Henry would look patiently through it. In fact, he did this to me uh, on a number of occasions. He'd look through the work, and he'd set it aside, and he'd get up and go away or something, or, uh, or turn and start talking to somebody else, see, or uh, go do something else. See? And you're left there with your stack of prints wondering, uh, well, what, what happened? Did he like them? Did he hate them? Are they good? Are they bad? You know, and so you'd go away and stew about this. And I always thought what happened there was uh, you started formulating your own criticism. You thought, well, what did Henry think? Well, he might have thought this, and he might have thought that. And so you would uh, start figuring it out for yourself. You know, and in fact, on occasions I've even uh, shown in the same prints uh, maybe a year later, something like that. See, and. Um, he might go through the same stack or a number like it and pull one out and say, that's a, that's, that's really, that's a very fine photograph or something like that, see. And I'd get mad. I'd say, God damn, Henry, why didn't you tell me that a year ago when I showed it to you? I've been wondering for a year whether you like that or not, see. And uh, so he, uh, uh, sometimes by not communicating, he, he uh, like I know that he's had a tremendous impact on my writing. He intimidated me about writing. Uh, that's the one instance where uh, he really put me down once. Uh, there was a, uh, I'd always thought I could perhaps write a little bit, you know, and uh, he did a little thing called On Photography, a little pamphlet, and he asked me to write a piece, and Bob Forth wrote a piece, and somebody else wrote a piece, and so on. And uh, so I had to write a little one-page thing, see. So I wrote this one-page thing, and... Um, Henry uh, didn't say anything to me, but he handed it to Robert Forth and said, you do it. So Robert Forth wrote my piece, see. So I thought, Jesus, I must be a terrible writer when it's got to be given to some other guy to write, see. Of course, Robert was very, is a very literate 
character, and he's, I think he's a good writer too. And uh, this made me very wonder all through the years about my writing. And I think anything I write ever since is probably in the back of my mind. I wonder if Henry will give this to Robert Ford to redo, you know. And, uh, um, and he shook my confidence a lot in writing, and it took me a while to regain it based on that one little incident. So, um, where are we? I guess we're going astray, aren't we? Or, yeah. Not terribly. I, w I would like you, in, in some way, if you can, to uh, give me an appraisal of what you think Henry Holmes Smith's strongest points and weakest points are. Um, strongest points. Well, uh, I, well, his strongest point is this incredible um, intensity of purpose, involvement, um, commitment to uh, the intellectual life or the life of the mind or whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, um, he symbolizes um, someone trying to push his mental energies to their highest point or something like that, see, and, and of course this is infectious, you know, I mean you get around him and you think that maybe you're around a genius or something, you know. Um, probably his weakest point on the other hand is that um, he's capable of such great indignation that, it, that it's probably at times abrasive and destructive for himself and so on. Uh, I guess what I'm saying, I feel sometimes he's tilting at windmills and taking off from uh, data which is not complete in some respects and uh, and uh, getting uptight about things that are of no consequence. You know. I think that's how I perceive his two the polarities, good and bad. When you speak of, of the uh, exceptional mental process, uh, does that indicate uh, a similar strength of the intuitive as well as the logical? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I think one thing uh, that always impressed me about Henry is uh, his mind can take leaps. Uh, they, they, it's not always logical. In fact, that's part of the problems of understanding him sometimes and, until you learn the jargon. Uh, but his mind can leap through uh, various possibilities in a kind of free-form fashion. And so he's not logical in the sense of a scholar, you know, a scholarly person who takes one fact, fact A, and puts it with fact B, and fact C. It isn't that kind of logic, you know. Um, it's very free-form. And uh, this, of course, causes some confusion sometimes about what he means exactly, I think. Could you talk a bit about his specialized language? Uh, a lot of a lot of talk has been, uh, a lot of interest has been focused on the fact that his his use of language is somewhat uh, unusual. I'd have to, you know, it's hard to call to mind special uh, words. Or I'd have to look at something he's written, or uh, um, or uh, well, I can remember some things written out of uh, our the essay that's in the book Women and Other Vision, you know. Uh, talking about crotch hunger, which is a strange idea, I mean, you know, but it's very descriptive. And uh, um, and at one point he, he made some film strips, it's interesting, or he tried to produce film strips through audiovisual, and they did, totally didn't understand them at all, in which he was trying to deal with the language of photography, what, uh, 
how we decipher that language. The audiovisual people uh, wouldn't support him and what he was trying to do because it was just too uh, rich in its intellectual ideas. And in fact, I was over in Wren County and I happened to come across the script or two for that, which I'll have over here before long. I've still got some of that stuff. I even have some bad copies of the, of the, or some rough copies of the film strips, if I could dig them up. But um, there's kind of esoteric, poetic quality. For me to sit here and try to call them to mind, I can't do it. I'd have to get that, maybe if we look through the book, Women and Other Visions, I could, do, I could pull some out, you know. Well, some people talk softly so that the listener will have to listen more closely. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he, that his language was used uh, in an obscure fashion to draw people more closely to understanding it, to make them uh, produce a greater effort towards understanding it? Well, I, I, I never, I can't perceive Henry as being capable of that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of subterfuge or something. Uh, I think to him the language is perfectly understandable and clear, but it but it is uh, complex, and uh, but it comes out of a complex mind. That's all I you know. I can't perceive Henry thinking, "Well, I'm going to mystify now, so people will try harder." He wouldn't. He couldn't think that way. I don't think. You know. In fact, he would do just the opposite. He'd try to clarify. He'd think, "Well, I'm going to clarify it," but his approach to clarifying it is still complex. I mean, you know. Did he use his his own photographic work uh, as example in teaching? No, and in fact, he shielded that from people. And for quite a while, uh, when I first uh, was studying with him, I was wondering, well, is this guy a photographer? I mean, I didn't see any photographs and so on. And for the longest time, I thought, uh, well, Henry's not a photographer. He just knows about photography, and he's got a lot of intellectual ideas about it, but he's not a photographer. In fact, I was uh, perhaps a little disappointed by that feeling because, you know, I was uh, started taking painting and other classes and the people you studied with were painters and printmakers or whatever the hell, you know. And uh, uh, in fact, certain events occurred to me that it, it was a slow process getting a handle on the fact that the guy had, had made photographs. Uh, one of the first revelations for me was when I started working for the audiovisual folks, uh, I printed a lot. And my printing was getting progressively better, and uh, I was learning how to do it, and so on. And um, one day, Henry called me into his office, and he said, uh, I'd like some advice from you about printing. And I said, oh, okay, Henry, whatever I can tell you. And uh, he says, um, and he opened a drawer, and there were whole, all kinds of negatives in there. And he said, why won't these negatives print the way I want them to print, you know? And so I started looking through the negatives, and I couldn't see any reason. You know, I told him, I don't, I don't see why, Henry. They, they look to me like they print good. Many of them were beautiful negatives, you know. And he's, he said something like, uh, I've tried dozens of times, and they won't come up to the standards I want. I can't print them, you know. And I was saying to him, well, maybe you're, maybe you're expecting too much, Henry. I mean, maybe you should just go with it and, and print them and so on. And so we had a discussion like that, see. And he was saying, no, there's something wrong. They just will not print well, in kind of his adamant way, you know. And, uh, and I was saying, well, I'm sure if uh, you just get in there and do it, they'll print, you know, and uh, maybe you're worrying too much about it or something like that, see. 
And so that was uh, one of the first perceptions I had that he really had a lot of negatives, just black and white negatives, you know, that he had done. And uh, then later on, he started doing his uh, dye transfer things. Uh, he he had a bunch. Of, he made a bunch of matrices, and he would stand in his office making these transfers. But that even mystified everybody because he was uh, taking. Um, I don't know how many matrices he made, but maybe 30 or something like that, you know. And he was just transferring those same ones over and over again. And that was so unlike the usual photo activity that you wondered, well, what's that all about, you know. Although I got interested and I did a little of it myself, and uh, I began to get fascinated by it, but then I, I left it behind. Never since I've been thinking about it, like, uh, maybe I should go back and do it again, you know. Uh, except it's so much a part of Henry's thing that it worries me a little to, to attempt it even, you know. Um, but I think that uh, there was a perception by many students and by many people in the photo community that Henry was not a photographer. And I had that perception, except progressively I began to have my doubts that that was so, that uh, he was just too demanding that he so he couldn't print, and he was, uh, he hid his work, he didn't show it to students, he rarely saw it. And uh, I think he was always probably um, very uptight about it or something, you know. Did I tell you anything? Yeah. Did, uh, did you find resonance in the work when you did see it? Did you feel strongly about it? Not at first. I mean, because like what I saw, as I remember, uh, my recollection is that the first things I really saw in any serious way were the... Um, Aside from an, a, a couple of uh, kind of, uh, when he first came there, uh, like they would do to photography teachers in those days, he was told he had to make photographs for the audiovisual occasionally. And uh, he did some of that. And I saw those photographs. And they were very competent. competent. He did night photographs of the campus and so on. And uh, they weren't mind-blowing photographs, but they were well done. And they were used by the audiovisual people and so on. And... Um, but the real the, the encounter I remember with uh, you know quote art photography or whatever were the dye transfers, and at first uh, I looked at those and I couldn't understand what that was all about because it was uh, I mean I had some inklings because he had put me through a Bauhaus kind of conditioning of and I had photographed light modulators and I had uh, done oil on glass and I had done all those things see so I had a little bit of inkling about it but I was drawn more to the straight approach. And so I, I had my doubts about what I was seeing, you know. And uh, it took me a long time to uh, realize uh, what its function was in the whole scheme of things. And, and, and progressively I saw it as increasingly important, you know, to, to point out.